Hey, if you want to turn in your Bibles, we're going to be getting over to Proverbs 27 eventually here. We're going a little bit through the book of Proverbs and a few other verses, but our primary verse will be taken from that. And as you know, if you're here last week, we studied or started a new series called The Path and a study taken from the book of Proverbs. Last week, we established a truth that is pretty unbreakable in life, in the universe, on earth, however you want to look at it. And it's one of those principles that if you try to break this principle, it usually turns around and breaks you. And it's a principle that says that your direction determines your destination. And last week we went even a little further and said it doesn't matter what you hope for and what you may want to happen to you. It's your direction and not your intention, not your hopes, not your dreams that determine your destination. You see, right now it doesn't matter if you intend on going to lacrosse. It doesn't matter if you're thinking about doing it. It doesn't matter if you want to do it, if you desire to do it, if you dream to do it. If you drive to the end of the road here and turn left on 53, you're going to end up in Eau Claire and not lacrosse. And if you don't do a course correction, eventually you'll run into Lake Superior. This principle isn't really rocket science. This is just common sense that all of us should realize. And we all know this when it comes to driving or comes to geography, but for some reason when it comes to the other areas of our life, when it comes to areas of our life like relationships or finances, eating habits, exercise, developing skills to make us more competent in life, we often walk one way and hope we'll wind up somewhere else. But again, it's your direction and not our intention or not our hopes and not our dreams that determines destination. For almost 20 years, I had an interest of going to college to be an RN. I had every intention of doing it someday, knowing that the day would come eventually when I got into my later 40s and 50s, watching my co-workers who had walked that same path, know that sooner or later your body will say you can't do the job of a full-time paramedic anymore. Things start breaking down, shoulders, knees, backs, everything starts wearing and tearing, and you can't do that kind of work anymore. And before I moved up here, I remember walking out of the station some mornings after being ran for 24 to 27 hours straight if we got off late and being awake for 33, 34 hours in a row and walking out and saying, I just can't keep doing this. I have to go to school to get my RN where I don't have to work these kind of hours and I make more money. I just need to do it. I just have to do it. Yet 48 hours later, I walked back into the station to jump on the ambulance Again, you see, I had every interest, every intention, even a dream of going and getting this degree, but it didn't go anywhere from that. And then finally, three years ago, I made the decision. I drove to Marshfield. I signed up for the classes, even crammed to take my entrance exam, which got me out of a a few classes. And I started the process. That's when my dreams, my goals, and my intentions all finally got pointed in a right direction that I started walking down, and now I'm getting to the destination that I wanted. And this is the hinge on which everything we're going to learn today is going to swing on. If you turn to Proverbs 1-2, 
We had studied, when we were studying Proverbs last week, we learned that Solomon wrote most of them. And he tells us the reason that Proverbs was written. In Proverbs 1 verse 2, he said Proverbs was written for gaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life and doing what is right, just, and fair. For giving prudence to the simple and knowledge and discretion to the young. Now all these sound like great things for us to want. We all want to be wise. We all want to know what to do in various situations. And in this section, which is known as the prologue to the book of Proverbs, a word appears twice that really we don't use that often in our world today. But it's a great word. Because if this is something that, if we master this word and the skill that it implies, it makes our life just work a whole lot better. And see if you can find that word that appears twice in slightly different forms. In verse 3 it says, For acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, and knowing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple, and knowledge and discretion to the young. You can see what the word is, prudent, or in its adjective form, prudence. And the word prudence means three things. It means, number one, you know what to do. You know what to do based off of wisdom. You exercise good judgment. And number three, we have common sense, even if it's not so common today. Now, in the 21st century, here in, in central Wisconsin, we really don't use the word prudence much. But in the book of Proverbs, it's used quite a bit. In fact, Solomon compares and, contract and contrasts prudent people with a second kind of people. And he calls them simple. Now, depending what version of the Bible you read, it can say simple, or he can use the words wise and foolish to compare and contrast the same people. Now, none of us want to be a simple person, and definitely none of us want to be a fool, do we? I mean, do you walk up to somebody and say, hi, my name's John, I'm a fool. I mean, none of us want that on our business card. And later in Proverbs, Solomon says, to flog a mocker, and the simple will learn prudence. Rebuke a discerning man, and he will gain knowledge. And what Solomon is saying is that there are some people where you can tell them that this is wrong, and they'll take your word for it and have a course correction, start going the other way. However, all of us know that no matter how much you talk to a person, no matter how much you explain it to them, no matter how much you show them proof, they're going to go in the wrong direction. They are just stubborn that way. They are just simple people. And simple people have to have something bad happen to them to finally learn to be wise. There's a YouTube video out there of a guy that packed an old riding lawnmower with tannerite. Anybody know what, everybody know what tannerite is? It's basically the legal form of buying dynamite. And you can go down to Holton's right, well not right now, they're not open, but you could go down to Holton's Farm and Fleet, all that kind of stuff and buy tannerite. And it's used in target practice to when you're shooting really long ranges, like four, five, six hundred yards, because your spotting scopes usually won't go that distance to see where you hit, 
if you put if you're shooting at a little thing of tannerite, it'll make a boom like that. Now tannerite's explosive power is about equal to dynamite. So this guy packs a riding lawnmower, an old riding lawnmower, in every crevice with tannerite. And tannerite blows up by shooting at it. So a bullet hits it between the impact and the heat of the bullet, it detonates a tannerite. Now, if I'm going to blow up a lawnmower with tannerite, I'm going to be standing way back. Way back, hundreds of yards behind some ballistic cover. Because there's this little thing when you put explosive inside metal, when it explodes, makes all kinds of shrapnel. And shrapnel does really, really bad things in a human body. Well, this guy started out about 50 yards. He's shooting, shooting, shooting. He wouldn't, couldn't get it to detonate. Kept getting closer, shooting, shooting, shooting. Couldn't get it to detonate. Gets about 25 yards away and boom! And you see the camera flip up, point to the sky. You see blood splatter on the camera. And the last thing you hear is, I blew off my leg! I blew off my leg! Now, as I said, a prudent person playing with explosives would have backed up a few hundred yards. I would have. Especially that much tannerite inside of that much metal. And I would have shot the thing from behind some hard ballistic cover knowing that shrapnel is going to be coming my way. But the simple person decided, eh, I can do that 25 yards away with no cover. Another for, word for simple that is used in some versions of the Bible refers to a childlike refusal to see truth and a childlike refusal to obey authority. This is why the simple needs some type of painful lesson to be able to associate right from wrong. This is why many parents follow what the Bible says and especially when your children are young, they might have to spank them to get an important rule across. I mean, if you listen to the modern way of raising a child, they would say a two-year-old running to a, a wood chip, a running wood chipper, that we should take them aside and counsel them and tell them why this is a bad idea to want to jump into the wood chipper. We should have a coaching session and tell them why this is bad. Maybe put them in a little time out. Now, you can do all that, but sooner or later, that kid's going to jump into the wood chipper. Sometimes with children, and sometimes even with adults, somebody needs to pick them up by the arm and slap the stupid out of them. On the butt, not just face, and we're not talking about child abuse, but give them a couple good whaps on the butt to kind of knock that simple out of them. Otherwise, if children or the simple-minded refuse to obey authority or God's rules, they leave themselves wide open to another rule of life. I call it the Darwin rule, survival of the fittest. And often, they're not the fittest. And Darwin is a very, very rough person, to, um, and his rules are very, very rough and you'll mostly, or most likely end up very injured. In another place in Proverbs, Solomon says that a fool shows his annoyance at once, but a prudent man overlooks an insult. Anybody knows somebody with an explosive temper? Anybody knows somebody that will want to fight at the moment's notice if they detect just the slightest bit of disrespect? 
This is why we're equating the simple with childlike. Here's another one. A simple man believes anything, but a prudent man gives thoughts to his steps. Simple people get fooled very easily. And you know who else is fooled very easily? Children. Anybody ever play I Got Your Nose with a kid? You know, you just go like this and you go like that. I got your nose. And they're convinced that's their nose right there. And you can fool them. They'll, they'll chase you around looking for their nose. They want their nose back. But so many people even today will believe anything you tell them. Prudent people will use their brains. Now I want to, to just talk just honestly. I'll even step out a little bit from pulpit. As a friend. Gullibility is not a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Discernment is. And I say this because there are so many Christians who are either believing or spreading absolute lies and conspiracy theories on social media or person to person. There are people who are convinced that Biden is an android or or, or this and the government and the trilateral commission and all these kind of things absolutely convinced of all this stuff behind the scenes number one who cares really jesus is king jesus is king all the all the all the people on earth can have all the schemes they want it won't matter jesus is going to be king he is going to sit on the throne in jerusalem you can say amen to that so worrying about all these conspiracy theories, worrying about all these other things is, is really foolish, if you think about it, especially being scared of it, and especially losing friends over it. I can't tell you how many people, especially people in the Christian church, and especially leaders in the Christian church, pastors even, who are spreading the most absolute stupid garbage on their social media accounts, and then if you call them on it, they'll defriend you and block you. That's what a child does. And if you're going to call yourself a Christian, we should be about spreading truth. Not rumors, not lies, not made-up stuff. Because guess what? I, and I don't mean to be talking, please understand I'm not talking down to anybody. Most of the stuff you read online is stupid. False. Most of the media we partake in is false, made-up stuff. And a matter of fact, it doesn't matter if you're watching CNN or Fox News. I'll just take the two extremes. Half of it's lies. Half of it is meant to keep you scared. So you keep tuning in. Because then they sell advertising revenue. And they get paid. That's what it is. So just keep that in mind before you hang on every one of Sean Hannity's words or Don Lemon's words over at CNN. Because most of what they're saying is either stretched or made up. So just keep that in mind, especially as Christians. Because the more you partake of this kind of stuff, the more you're going to be afraid, the more you're going to, to live in fear and doubt and unbelief. And, the le and you'll be much less effective just in your life, much less in the kingdom of God. And this is proven science, by the way. When you're afraid, you go into what's called a flight or 
fight, flight or fight mode, which means that your higher brain function shut down. And it makes you so susceptible to wanting to hear and believe in the comforting lie. You know, the military uses this tactic too. Military, when you're in basic training, anybody remember from the army, the shark attack? So when three or four drill sergeants surround you, and they could be screaming utter gibberish. If you actually stand back and listen to what they're saying, they could just be sitting there, I don't think I, I don't know, and they're just, just yelling at you. And what they're doing is producing a stress response to make you susceptible to following their orders and learning to deal with stress so that when you get to the battlefield someday, you'll be able to function in those kind of high-stress environments. They also use physical pain, sleep deprivation, limiting your food, Intense physical training and intense punishment. Now, if you look at that list, that sounds like a prisoner of war scenario, but that's essentially what basic training is doing to inoculate you against those effects. And I think that we as Christians, we need some basic training in our life. And that's what this book is supposed to be used for. The Bible, it's an acronym, if you will. Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. In the military, we had to carry a book that had all of our information in it. As Christians, we need to carry this book because it has all of our truth in it. It has every measure of our faith in it. And we need to learn this and think through its filter and not what the world is trying to put into our life. Okay, so that's my rant for the day. Back to the sermon. If we turn... Turn to Proverbs 22.3. And we're going to see that this scripture in 27.12 that we're going to end up in is repeated. Proverbs 22 verse 3 says, It's a prudent see danger and take refuge. But the simple keep going and pay the penalty. Now if you go over to Proverbs 27 verse 12, look what you see. The prudent see danger and take refuge. But the simple keep going and pay the penalty. It's the exact same proverb, just recorded in two different places. When you see something repeated in the Bible, that means you should like triple underline that. Because it means that there is something huge going on with that scripture. And something that we really should put in our life. Now, God put Proverbs in the Bible to make us smarter at living life, and God put this proverb in the Bible twice because he thinks it's doubly important that we learn its lesson. The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. And this is where the serious learning comes in. If last week we learned that our path is of paramount importance, then the next logical question is, how do you choose the right path? How do you figure out what path you should be on? Or in some cases, when we, do we discover that the path is wrong, and when should we jump off of that path and change directions? And the proverb is telling us that the primary difference between the prudent and the simple is not what they see, but how they respond to what they see. You see, the prudent see danger and take refuge. The simple see danger and they keep on going. You see, both see the danger, but they have very 
different reactions. The prudent do something about the danger, but the, the simple are like ostriches who just bury their head in the sand and say, well, I hope this thing isn't going to affect me or hurt me. It's like driving toward a bridge or, or down a road where it says bridge out, bridge out, bridge out, and then being surprised when you careen off of a, an embankment and go a thousand feet to your death. That's why Solomon calls people like that simple. So how do we choose the right path? The prudent see danger and make course corrections. As most of you know, Kenosha is bordered by Lake Michigan on the east. Kenosha has a harbor. We receive ocean-going vessels there. Um, used to be for the, uh, the automotive plants there, and now it's just for other things. But there's a lighthouse that extends way out into the lake, and off that lighthouse there's, about, there's a breakwater about 200 yards away. On the north side of that's a beach that people swim in. And when I was younger, I was an avid swimmer and scuba diver. And I used to love to throw on my wetsuit and go down to the beach and swim out to the breakwater. Now, you want to wear a wetsuit because, one, it's, Lake Michigan is not a very warm lake, even in the summer. And two, because of the currents and everything, you wanted something that would give you buoyancy. So you can't even, um, when I was really skinny, it was hard to um, sink in a wetsuit. So I'd throw on the wetsuit, mask, snorkel, and fins, and I'd swim out to the breakwater. It was about a mile and a half round trip swim. And good workout. And it was exhausting because you'd have to fight currents and waves coming in from everywhere. And every few minutes when I was swimming, I would stick my head up out of the water just to see, make sure I was still on course because if you allow a current to drag you past the breakwater, you're out, you could be taken right out into the middle of the lake and, and uh, that's not a very good place to be. Plus the those big ocean liners won't see you and run you over or somebody on a jet ski or something. So you had to make sure that you're on the course as you were swimming out there. And that was prudence. Prudence means that when you are walking or swimming or whatever you're doing and you're going in a particular direction in life, that we stick our heads up once in a while and make sure the destination we're heading toward is the one that we intended to go on. However, not everybody is prudent. The simple keep right on going. You know, the people who most often drown in Lake Michigan have never swam before or have never swam in an ocean or a great lake. And they don't understand the dangers of wind and currents and large bodies of water. They just kind of dive in and, and hope for the best. On one of the beaches in Kenosha, there are warning signs every about 20 feet, big letters that say literally, if you swim here, you will drown. No swimming. Pikes Creek empties into the lake near there, and you can't really see it from the beach, but there's a sandbar underneath the water that runs along the side of that beach and pushes the water from Pikes Creek out this way creates a big riptide. Riptide will grab you, pull you under the water, and drag you under the water for a long time. And if you don't know how to deal with that because you don't know how to swim or you've never swam in the ocean or water, you will drown. The second half of that proverb says, a simple keep going and pay the penalty. 
for refusing to act on what they see. I lost three friends from high school to that riptide. About 20 years ago, I was on the Kenosha County dive team as one of the rescue divers and ended up being the operations officer on the beach for the recovery team that pulled their lifeless bodies out of the water after six hours of looking for them. I had already done my time on the bottom. I couldn't scuba dive anymore. So I was on the beach running that side of it. All three of them walked past the signs. All three of them knew they were inexperienced swimmers. Dog paddle was about the best thing they could do on a good day. And all three of them paid for it with their lives. The simple can't see past their immediate wants and desires to consider where that road they are choosing will lead them. Even if they initially chose that wrong road and realize it's the wrong road, they're going to keep on going on it. Again, like a person who drives on a road and keeps passing the sign saying, bridge out, bridge out, bridge out, and then are surprised when they plummet hundreds of feet to their death. Many of us may be thinking, well, I'm not a fool. I'm not a simple person. I'm, I'm grown. I'm not a child. But biological age doesn't matter here. It doesn't matter if you're 10 or if you're 80 or somewhere in between. If you see a problem in the future because of your path, you need to get off that path. You need to do a course correction and a course change. And if you don't, you're what the Bible calls simple. This is especially important as we raise children. We have to be proactive as parents. We have to correct problems in our children when we see it. I see so many examples today in the ER of, of little children of Satan coming in. I mean, they're just so bad behaved. And they're screaming and they, they, they cuss at their mom with the worst kind of language that you couldn't even imagine. And the mom's just like, oh, you know, just kind of behave. I mean, if I would have even thought that at my dad, I would have, had, I would have activated the dental plan. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying beat your children, but at the same time, you have to teach them respect. You have to confront those kind of behaviors in your children. Because if you don't, the law of direction will bite us and our children hard in the future. And really, this matters in all areas of our life. It matters in our career. Look at the path you're on. See if you need to make a course correction. Look at your money and how you spend it. Do you need to make a course correction? Look at your education, your health, your actions. Look at the direction you're actually heading and not just the intentions. Because it's the direction that determines reality, not the intention. So you may say, well, how do I know what the right path is? Well, here's a few keys. Prudent people know that it's not what they see that makes a difference, but what they do. So they do things. They make the course correction. You step off the path and you get on another one. It's almost always hard to do this because we're creatures of habit. We're creatures of momentum. We're creatures that desire comfort. We're creatures that desire a certain standard or a certain um, regularity to our life that we just want to keep doing it because this is what we've always done. And we naturally continue to do what we're all used to doing. 
If we're used to overeating, we do it because it feels natural to us. It's what we've, we, we do to soothe ourselves when we get stressed. If we're, losing our temp, if we're used to losing our temper, we lose our temper again because it's what's natural to us. If we're used to going online and looking at things we shouldn't be looking at, that's what we're going to keep doing because that is what we're used to. And momentum carries us in the same direction. So I encourage you this morning, if this is you and you're on a course that you know is not healthy for you, change direction. But that comes to the second principle, is that you're almost always going to have to give up something when you do so. A corollary to what we're saying is that when you see danger, it almost always requires a sacrifice on your part. It means you might have to give something up that's simply just not good for you. It's a terrible truth of the human condition. We often love the very thing that's killing us. That's the true danger. But it's a danger that we have to face and let go of if we choose to behave prudently. The third thing is if you choose to act prudently and change course, you may be the only one left standing. You may have to stand alone, maybe to your friends, when you stop to do some of these things. Anybody remember the story of the three little pigs? You remember the story. One builds a house out of straw, another one out of sticks. No, they all knew, they all knew the danger. There's a wolf running around. Yet they, two of them chose to build their houses out of something that can easily be knocked over. And the big bad wolf comes along and he huffs and he puffs and he blows their house down. Solomon would call these two the simple pigs. However, the third was a prudent pig. He built his house out of bricks. Why would he do that? Why would he spend all that extra effort to build the same kind of house? Because he saw the danger and reacted prudently against it. We all know that life is going to bring us challenges. We all know that many of times we walk down the wrong path. Some of us may be on a wrong path somewhere in our life right now. But it is not too late to turn around and do a course correction. And this message is so vitally important to us. We see danger all around us, but if you're prudent... We can prepare against that. We can course correct. And we can go in the right direction. I don't want any of us to waste any more time in our life on a path that leads somewhere that we're not going to want to go. So let's take time this week to reflect and redirect. Let's make some course corrections. Let's all rise. Father, as we have seen in your word, it's our direction, not our intention, that determines our destination. Your word plainly tells us today that the prudent see danger and take refuge. So, Father, I ask, Lord, that you give us supernatural wisdom this week. That you give us courage to see the right you give us courage to choose the right. And you give us the strength to make it endure in our lives. 
Father God, we thank you, Lord. Help us to make course corrections in the area of our lives where we're going to need it, especially in these last days.